No, this one's going to be a challenge because the time it's a very ugly looking organ. It doesn't. I don't know. I don't know how she's going to make that look good. good. But tastes fantastic. <laughs> Have you ever had sweetbreads? They're really good. In case you don't know, sweetbread is the culinary term for the thymus. But what is the thymus besides a tasty dish? In this episode, Genevieve and Steven sit down with Dr. Jared Dudikoff and discuss what the thymus is, its function, and why it is worth researching. I'm the producer, Julia, and I will be helping explain some of these concepts for you today. Don't know much biology. Hello and welcome to Radio Bio. I am your host, Stephen Wilson. And I am Genevieve Mullins. Today we are joined by Dr. Jared Dudikoff, an assistant member at Fred Hutchinson Cancer Research Center. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for inviting me. So what broad strokes do you like do? What do you research? Uh, so what I like to research, well, what we do research is uh, looking at immune system function and really trying to improve immune system function. Dr. Dudikoff explains his work studying the function of the adaptive arm of the immune system. But what exactly is the immune system? The immune system is a collection of cells, structures, and processes that act to protect our body from foreign invaders. Its ultimate goal is to protect us from infection, and it can be divided into two main groups, the innate and the adaptive. You can think of the innate as the built-in, one-size-fits-all response to invaders, and the adaptive arm as the specialized forces that are more skilled and specific. Dr. Dudikoff's research focuses on the adaptive arm, which he will explain further. And what we really try and do is look at one particular arm of the immune system known as the adaptive immune system, and that's really what uh, targets specific um, pathogens. That's things that basically um, viruses and bacteria and things like that. Um, but the problem is that that function goes down with age and that function is very susceptible to damage. And so what we try and do is understand the response to the damage and trying to come up with therapies to improve that. Um, and really, this is, this is of major importance in cancer patients that receive chemotherapy or radiation therapy because that completely, you know, really decimates the immune system. And so there's a requirement to kind of boost that function up. Okay, so the primary organ that you're studying this in is the thymus. Why is that important for this immune system and I guess why does it decrease with age? Well, we don't know why it decreases with age. Um, <laughs> look, fundamentally speaking, um, all blood cell development occurs in the bone marrow, mm -hmm. except for T-cells. So what is a T-cell? T-cells are specialized cells that fall under the category of the adaptive immune system. They have receptors that are highly specific to certain pathogens and help initiate and carry out a strong immune response to fight and clear infections. Um, they are a very curious sort of separate phenomenon. And the reason that is, is because they develop in, as you said, the thymus. And, and really, this is where T-cells, thymus, B-cells, bone marrow. Well, actually, bursa of fibrosis within the birds, but still, like, they're, they're, it's B-cells and T-cells. Um, so... So what is the thymus? Well, the thymus is an organ located in front of our heart. 
The thymus is where our T cells are generated and undergo various testing stages and checkpoints before they are allowed to exit the thymus and circulate through the body. To learn more about this grueling process that T cells must undergo, check out our episode interviewing Dr. Ellen Rothenberg, where we dive deep into that topic. The reason why T cells are so effective is they have this really broad, what's known as a repertoire there. They've got these receptors on their surface that can recognize foreign pathogens or, or what are known as antigens. And the only way that works is if there's this real diversity in those receptors. And the thing is, we don't know what these pathogens, what these antigens look like. Um, and even if we did know what the majority look like, there could be something else that came about, you know, from another country, hell, another world, you know, like we just don't know what these antigens are. And so what you really want to do is create a random, um, what's known as recombination, genetic recombination, that creates just this phenomenal diversity. And like I say, that diversity is what enables the immune system, what enables the adaptive immune system to function. And so there are, it's, it's pretty unclear at the moment how many potential T cell receptors there are, but it's probably in the order of about 10 to the 18 to 10 to the 22, which to put it in some context, the total numbers of grains of sand on the planet, numbers about 10 to the 18. So at the lower estimate of that. So there are far more potential T cell receptors than there are grains of sand on the planet. So it's phenomenal diversity. And this is in every single person, every single thymus, essentially, at least in a young person. Now, as I say, that function goes down. The why, we don't know. The best guess is to say that we're not meant to live this long. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, there is a, there is a, firstly, it's a pretty energetically expensive process. Um, when I say there's this, you know, 10 to the 18, 10 to the 22, most of those, because it's random, most of those are actually going to recognize um, our own proteins, our own peptides. Now, obviously, we don't want that to happen. If that was to happen, you get autoimmunity. So most of those T cells are actually kind of deleted or, or you know, educated basically in the thymus. But even so, there's just this tremendous diversity that gets out there. Now, the immune system is there to keep you alive until 15, 16, you know? Um, you know, not long after that. And so there's not really a need for it after that. And in fact, there, there is a strong correlation with puberty and we know sex steroids have a real impact on thymic function. It's not the only thing, but certainly has a, has a major sort of function. So that's kind of the importance of the organ and, and why, well, maybe why it ages is we just don't need it anymore, essentially. So, as Dr. Dudikov was discussing, there is work that suggests that the thymus isn't always necessary. Once T-cells have been made by the thymus during early life, those cells can remain and replenish for years, so that if the thymus is damaged or removed, you still have T-cells to fight off infections. The problem is, as Dr. Dudikov points out, when those T-cells die off from radiation exposure or treatment. If there is no thymus, no new T cells can be made to replace those cells that have been lost, leaving you vulnerable to infection. Puberty is often put out there as kind of the, the um, uh, uh, I guess, hallmark, but thymic function arguably decreases from birth, mm. um, at least kind of as a functional tissue relative to weight and things like that. It actually does, its peak is probably, I don't know, two or something like that. So... 
maybe you could argue that it would happen sort of earlier, but but we really just don't don't know. At least in humans, I think, because like I want to say from what I know, in like mice, if you remove the thymus, you can still get T cells even after, or you still have plenty of T cells because most of them have been made pre-birth. But like I think in humans, most of them are made after. No, well, okay, or, so there's, or there's, is it reversed? no, there's a, there's a little bit of that. Um, T cells are very long lived, but that's not to say it's not important. And so, if you were to do that experiment and you remove the thymus, and you will still have T cells there, um, but over time, especially in the human setting, especially when you encounter um, encounter pathogens, because that's when you start to get an expansion of what are known as memory T cells. These are cells that as their name suggests, they remember antigens. They're critical for what's known as a recall response. That is, this is this is what happens in a vaccine. When you um, show the T cells an antigen, they remember that antigen. When you come back in with that antigen, they can kind of just immediately um, react. When you encounter more and more antigens over a life, as we do on a daily basis, you get more and more of these memory cells which means you get less and less of what are the non-memory cells, which are called naive cells. And when you've got less naive cells, you get a constriction of that repertoire diversity that I was talking about. And so um, that's when you get poor responses to vaccines, poor response to new pathogen challenge. So while, you know, to a relatively healthy individual, if you were to remove the thymus, they'd be more or less okay for their life. They'd probably, if you were to look in, in a population basis, they'd probably have a higher susceptibility to infection, high, uh, uh, lower response to vaccines, uh, but they'd generally do all right. Where it's going to have a major impact is if they ever get cancer and need chemotherapy, need a bone marrow transplant, they will never, ever, ever recover their T-cells if they've got no thymus. Um, so it is critically important in that part. Now, there is a camp out there who say the thymus doesn't matter at all postnatally. Um, I look at those same people's data and disagree with that, but there's some, there is some contra- um, you know, controversy out there. There is some contention out there as to what the importance of it is postnatally. Um, but we know, so <clears throat> there's some evidence now coming out from longitudinal studies of cardiac pediatric patients so kids, when they get cardiac surgery, typically, and certainly in the past, it's changing a little bit now, they had their thymus just ripped out. So they had basically a, a complete thymectomy because where it's located just above the heart and the size of it is when, when you're talking kids, um, it just gets in the way. And so they kind of just, like I say, just rip it out. So Dr. Dudakov mentioned that in children that needed cardiac surgery, thymic tissue was often partially or completely removed to gain better access to the heart, but that these children still had T-cells and some even regrew the thymus if some of the tissue remained. Follow-up scans of children who underwent these procedures revealed that the thymus did in fact slowly recover lost tissue. Since the thymus naturally becomes smaller during your lifetime, this regeneration of removed thymic tissue gives scientists hope that there might be ways to enlarge the thymus in older age using therapeutics, which can be especially important in patients that receive cancer treatments or bone marrow transplants. Now, <clears throat> what does this do to immunity? There's a big open question. Um, 
on the whole, it probably doesn't do as much as you think, but it probably does more than what people thought for a very long time too. So there are, there are true longitudinal studies sort of just starting to look at that question. But we also know there was a beautiful pub, uh, paper published a couple of years ago that showed that in, because it's not like they're trying to take out the thymus, they just sort of, you know, they're surgeons, they're essentially glorified butchers, they just sort of, you know, <laughs> take out what they take out just to get to what they're looking at. Uh, there was a beautiful study a couple of years ago that actually showed considerable regrowth of the remnant thymic tissue in uh, uh, kids that had that were thymectomized. Um, and so it's beautiful. And it sits very much in what we do, which is looking at this uh, process of natural regeneration. And we think that that's probably contributing towards that, that phenomenon. Um, so it's very, very interesting, though. So on that level, like, is it similar to the liver where if, I guess, part of it, if you drink too much, like, you can get it, part of it removed and, you know, there's a certain threshold, like, how much of your finest do you need for it to, like, begin yeah. regenerating? So, so thankfully, as far as I'm aware, drinking a lot doesn't impact on the thymus. Oh, yeah. No, I haven't, no. I haven't, uh, yeah, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so... It's not as regenerative as the liver in that it's not like you can just cut a whole section and it's going to just regrow. Mm -hmm. um, but it will, and especially in the human. So in the mouse, it's a bilobed organ. That means it's got two two sections, two lobes. In the human, it's multi-lobed. It's got sort of lots and lots and lots of different uh, lobules in there. So that's where kind of removing some of that allows it to sort of come back a little more but it's not it's not like regrowing a limb in in you know um yeah i'm not in, expecting uh, like a wolverine or something, or something like that yeah, yeah exactly or a salamander. Like not quite not quite that much but it does have this remarkable kind of capacity to regenerate now i think a lot of that comes just from its sensitivity to to damage and you know some of the models we look at are common cancer therapies chemotherapy and radiation therapy are really profoundly impacted thymus but uh, probably what um, what its normal regenerative capacity is actually more everyday stresses, um, stress so corticosteroids and infection, both profoundly impact on thymic function and lead to what's known as thymic involution. That's where the thymic sort of thymus just shrinks, and so um, it's it's the ability to kind of recover immune competence after those everyday insults that is really really important. Um, I mean, you can wonder why it was ever that sensitive to begin with with those. I don't know. There's an argument to be said that... Um... So what is thymic regeneration? As Dr. Dudikoff explains, the thymus is sensitive to stress, including cortical steroids and infections. During stress, the thymus will temporarily stop production of T-cells. The regeneration is when the thymus resumes normal T-cell production following stressful events. However, as Dr. Dudikoff points out, thymic function also declines with age, producing fewer T-cells, and this can impact the ability to deal with T-cell loss from radiation or other events. So as I mentioned before, part of the thymus's role is in educating against self-antigens. So in the case of infection, it is an argument to be said that if that antigens from that infectious molecule get into the thymus all of a sudden now you've got tolerance against that virus bacteria whatever and you know it's obviously not a um an active concerted effort on that their part but 
viruses, bacteria try and find holes in the immune system, and that could be a pretty big hole. And so there could be a kind of evolutionary sort of um, you know mechanism to just lead to constriction of the functional tissue at that point until the infection is cleared, essentially, to allow for that recovery. That is pure speculation on my part. There's not evidence for that necessarily, but that's 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 uh, like something that I've been toying with in my mind as to maybe why it happens in that. Don't know why about stress, but that's a fair point though. I hadn't thought about that before, but yeah, it. Because it's not like the thymus is cut off from the bloodstream or anything. I mean, it has blood vessels going through mm-hmm. it. And it's not like viruses and bacteria are completely incapable of leaving blood vessels once they get into them. And oh, so, no, we know thymic, yeah. thymic cells are, are, are infected in, in things like salmonella. Um, it, it has pr- pr- a profound impact and they get into the, into the thymus itself. Uh, and and certainly some viruses can get into the epithelial tissue of the thymus. So no, it absolutely absolutely does get kind of infected of itself. Yeah, and yeah. so yeah, if you want to be telling them these are the things that I don't want you to respond to, that if there is something actively that they should be responding to, that you would want to shut that like teaching yeah. down. Like all right, let's take a break until we're cleared, so that then I can educate you correctly on what you should be avoiding. Absolutely. And I think the corticosteroids could just be a, a, a sort of a mechanism of that, because a lot of these sort of infections will probably lead to some sort of corticosteroid response. Uh, so that might be kind of the way it involutes more than the actual infection itself, although some uh, stimulating some uh, innate um, immune receptors is directly able to lead to involution. So it gets a little bit complicated, but I think a lot of it is probably mediated by glucocorticoids as, um, as well. And a little bit of redundancy as usual. Yeah, exactly. Always, always. <laughs> redundancy in biology, so yeah. Yes. So what got you started in, in this field? What got you started in studying the thymus? Um, I don't know. I, I think I'm a bit, you know, Mr. Magoo-ish. I've just sort of stumbled into these things throughout my life i um uh, so when i went to college it's a little bit differently in australia so typically um it's very focused and so you can actually do you typically do let's say medicine in undergraduate or law in undergraduate so and then you walk out of that degree basically as a doctor or a lawyer i mean you still need to do some you know postgraduate training but not not much uh unlike it is here so you know not knowing really what i wanted to do and and whatever else i did pretty much the most broad course you could do which was uh, a bachelor of arts and a bachelor of science um, <clears throat> and actually I was not really interested in a lot of this sort of um, you know bio biology and chemistry malarkey in school and so I dropped all that and I was doing physics and maths and things like that and I was actually more interested in filmmaking and then I don't know what happened but I went took a year off and went overseas with a friend who was doing science uh, and then when we came back I decided to go and start biology and chemistry, and he's now an artist. So somehow we sort of just, you know, <laughs> cross paths. Anyway, so I got I got interested in that, started off biology and chemistry, and then, as I say, there's a lot more specialisation there. So there is immunology, you start doing that in third year. And I just absolutely loved it. And I don't know what it was about it, but I just really, really enjoyed it, did very well in it, and kind of got asked to do this summer scholarship uh, thing, and then kind of just started working in a lab there as a research technician uh, and then did honours in that same lab and my PhD in that same lab. And then, you know, the rest is history, essentially, and then came across to, the, to this country. And so, um, you know, there, like I say, there's a lot of happenstance in it. 
So I should have a better answer and it should be a bit more directed, but I'll be honest, you know? <laughs> no, it's, it's just... good, especially for any undergrads who end up listening, that, like, you know, you don't always know where you're going. No, and I think... You end up somewhere. Yeah, and I think it's really important. I mean, there are definitely people who are like that and who, who have a direction and they're going to go that way. But, you know, most of us don't. And I think that's okay too. And it's okay to kind of stumble around. I didn't, I didn't know or think that I'd become an academic. I don't know. I was waiting for that next happenstance, Mr. Magooish, and it turned out it was a faculty position. So, you know, it's, 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 yeah, it's the way it kind of is. Uh, I think that wraps it up for today. Thank you for coming by and allowing us to interview you. Thanks for having me. It was fun. This episode was produced by Julia Alvarez with artwork by Kinsey Brock, editing by Sonia Vargas, and interviewing by Genevieve Mullins and Stephen Wilson. Radio Bio is produced by graduate students at the University of California, Merced. Support for Radio Bio comes from the Quantitative and Systems Biology Graduate Group, the School of Natural Sciences, and the Graduate Division at UC Merced. You can help support Radio Bio's mission of increasing scientific literacy in California's Central Valley and beyond by donating at giving.ucmerced.edu slash radiobio. Find out more about our mission, events, and podcasts at www.radiobio.net.